Today's show is brought to you by Early Bird Books. Powered by Open Road Media, publishers of new and classic ebooks you can enjoy on all of your devices. Got a new device? Why don't you add some books onto that, baby? Start today at earlybirdbooks.com. Now let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. I'm your host. You know we do it the most. Brian Tong here. Everything we talk about is kind of our weekly wrap-up of what's happened inside the world of Apple. Thank you so much for all of you who have been here from the start and those who have just recently jumped on. We do have some ads occasionally playing on the show. If you are a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Brian Tong, because of your support, We have a version of a link of the show without any ads, just to let you know. But let's just jump into this. This is your show. It's all about you. 833-888-ABXL. That's how you call in. 833-888-2295. We got some calls. We had some of you that had some like really long ones that I had to like access. It was like four-minute calls, three-minute calls. This is too long. So the big news this week, really, it is the reviews. All of them have dropped for the iPad Pro the MacBook Air, and the Mac Mini. I've been playing with the iPad Pro now for, what is it, three days? Three days or so. And uh, I'm building up my review, putting it together. We've shot some stuff already. That'll be dropping soon on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Brian Tong. But let's get into, first of all, and start talking about the iPad Pro. I'm not gonna go too in-depth, but it's what we kind of have talked about before, the, uh, the reviews from the iPad Pro literally three years ago sound very similar to the reviews of the iPad Pro today. It is a device that if it fits in your life, it's really great. You know how big of a fan I am of it. I love this thing. It's the ultimate media consumption device and travel buddy, but it still has yet to replace my computer. It will never, uh, I, I, let's not say never. We should never say never, but I don't expect it to replace my computer anytime soon just because of what I do. It's a great complimentary piece. I'm always traveling. It is my ultimate travel buddy. The reviews are pretty much saying the same thing, and we've talked about it as well. If you've watched some of my videos, the main thing holding back the iPad Pro is iOS. We need something like a pad OS, some hybrid thing, because we talked about the benchmarks last week on this show, how it pretty much almost doubles what the previous iPad Pro does. It it also almost reaches benchmarks as high as your 2018 MacBook Pro line. This is a machine with tons of power. When I use the iPad Pro, the 2018 version, it doesn't feel any faster. That's not a bad thing. The user experience is still great. You got that 120 hertz refresh rate, but the actual day-to-day usability of the iPad Pro hasn't changed from the previous generation. The form factor and design is different, so there's no home button. There are some navigation things that are a little different that I like and dislike, but from the very core, the heart of the device, the actual speed and performance, I can't really personally feel any major significant difference in overall performance, and why is that? Because until you get those pro apps that tap into that full power and full potential, this is like a beast in a cage, You got to let it loose. We'll see how much Apple does in 2019. We know that Adobe, the reason why I'm excited about it, I know I'm going to be using Photoshop with it on the road, on the plane while I'm traveling. That's cool. Okay. A lot of professionals are, a lot of digital artists, 
that do sketches and actual artwork are using this today as a primary device. And the only reason we continue to compare the iPad Pro to a computer or a replacement computer is guess why? Apple keeps on saying it's a computer. So when all these reviews come out and it's like the iPad Pro is great, it's expensive, it's limited, you have to know what you're getting into before you do it. But if you find that sweet spot and it's for you, it can be a great device. I found a sweet spot for me. It's still like a luxury for me to have this iPad, but I love it. So you just kind of have to see how this fits into your life. And you can check out my review that is dropping probably in the next couple of days. And I get into a lot of other things as well. Here's some things that we now know about the iPad Pro, specifically its accessory, its friend, the app, new Apple Pencil. It's the second generation Apple Pencil. The number two pencil joke is very easy. So we're not gonna do that. But here's some things to know about it that people may not have known. Now, the original Apple Pencil included an extra tip in the box. Sometimes you put it in your bag or something or it unscrews, it would just loosen up and fall out and you'd lose it. This new Apple Pencil does not include an extra tip in the box. Apple sells for a four pack of extra tips online. It's like it's 19 bucks for that. Also, uh, the new Apple Pencil, it does wirelessly charge when attached specifically to the new iPad Pro. It does it magnetically, we know that, but it's not compatible with Qi-based wireless chargers. So I don't know if that's the biggest surprise, but you can't just drop it on a third-party wireless charging pad or the potential air power mat that may or may not come out by the end of this year. It probably won't, but we will see. Also, in a memo shared with retail stores, they said that customers may experience the new Apple Pencil is unresponsive after its initial setup. So there's a firmware update that is sent to the Apple Pencil via Bluetooth once the iPad Pro itself has an internet connection. So if you're having issues and you're like, this doesn't work or it's not working, uh, we'll see. There have been no reports, which I expect the uh, latency on the Apple Pencil is still exactly the same, which was, I believe, roughly 20 milliseconds. I think the Surface Pro right now is at 21 milliseconds. So it's arguably just about the same, but with the same screen, with the same refresh rate, and the same pencil, just with kind of internal design changes from a standpoint of wirelessly charging and syncing, we expect the Apple Pencil's latency to be exactly the same, but there have been no actual official numbers being given out, so my hunch is that it's exactly the same. Some other things to note about the new iPad Pro, this is also surfaced. It has a USB-C port, obviously, for better or for worse, depending on where you stand on that. Uh, the USB-C cable included in the box, here's the thing, it cannot be used to connect to an external display. So they're giving us this USB-C cable that can only charge the iPad Pro via USB 2.0 speeds. It's not a cable that supports the USB 3.1 Gen 2 with data transfer support. So this is... Nothing new from a standpoint that there have been USB-C charge-only cables. But, you know, Apple's advertising this as a device that can connect to everything, and it doesn't have the cable that allows you to connect it to a monitor that they continue to show off because, guess what? 
I don't need, honestly, I don't even know off, off the record. I'm like, I haven't checked if Apple even sells one that does do display support. But if you really want one, you can buy one from like Amazon Basics, Belkin, and others. So if you really want one, yeah, you can get one. Apple's not going to do it. Also, the smart keyboard has increased in weight. Uh, according to Twitter, Marco Arment, he kind of posted his results. The current new smart keyboard folio for the 11-inch iPad Pro weighs 297 grams, up from 245. The 12.9-inch smart keyboard folio weighs 407 grams, up from the 340 grams of its predecessor. I have the new smart keyboard folio because it's really the only keyboard option out there right now. Ideally, I'd like to swap it out, but right now it does feel slightly sturdier, like slightly like tougher. That's just me in a comparison side by side. I I may be totally making this this up in my mind. It does feel a little tougher, but it's still I'm still am waiting for Logitech to give me their slim pro version keyboard for this new iPad Pro. That was my favorite keyboard case by far for the iPad Pro. So you can check out the reviews. Like I said, mine's coming in a few more days. MacBook Air, arguably the best laptop for most people for its price, even with its dual core processor. It's it's right, $12.99 coming in. It is the new redesigned MacBook Air, takes cues from the new MacBook Pros. But the reality is when we say it's it's like the computer for everyone or the best computer for most people, it is just because most people don't require that much power. The size is kind of that sweet spot. It's not the most expensive. It's not like a $2,000 Air, although if you max it out, you can, you, can, you can get there, right? You can get there. But this is the cheaper MacBook Pro style design, super slim. and you know, I like the fact that it has touch ID and it doesn't have the touch bar that already is appealing to me, but as a user, it's not in my workflow. So I wasn't going to buy it just cause like, it's just not something that for me, we've also seen teardowns of the MacBook air that confirm that they're using that kind of membrane underneath the keyboard to protect it from getting crumbs or dust in it. We've, we saw how some of the, um, the actual MacBook designs had issues with their keyboards because because of this you know things getting trapped in it the low tolerance of how like deep the keys actually register when you press it once something got stuck in there it kind of jammed it up and they'd actually have to replace pretty much the entire chassis which is crazy the other good thing about this macbook air is that the battery is actually replaceable now that's kind of a new thing that hasn't happened quite often According to Mac Rumors, the battery is still glued into the top case for the MacBook Air, but Apple's providing Apple authorized service providers with tools to basically reinstall a new one without replacing the entire top case. So, wow, believe it or not, the MacBook Air has a little bit of repairability, although iFixit, who did the big breakdown, did give it a repairability score of three out of 10 just in case you were curious so you know how it is apple self-contains these things that's just how that's just how they've done it and they've moved away even from their pro line of being able to have like customer customer access to expanding the ram which used to be a big deal but no that's not that way anymore the mac mini the route review roundups again this long-awaited update four years in the making 
from a performance standpoint, it's going to impress both fans and pro users, depending on, again, how much you're willing to spend. We we kind of broke down the pricing of Apple's latest devices and how they compare to the previous versions and inflation and things of that nature when they've made a big jump up. The upgrade options, again, can get super pricey with the, with the uh, Mac Mini. One thing that is really cool about it as well, even a teardown, there is user upgradable RAM in this Mac Mini. There's instructions on how to do it. It may not be the easiest, but it is user upgradable. You got to kind of pop open the bottom cover with its opening tool and then use a Torx screwdriver to get under this antenna plate. But you can have user accessible RAM that you can upgrade because Apple's RAM is super expensive. In case you haven't known since day one, Apple's RAM prices are kind of ridiculous. So there's a lot of people that want to get into there and kind of change things up for themselves, which I think is really smart. So a big week, tons of hardware out there, tons of product reviews. Check it all out. Go check out multiple sources. I have my own thoughts. Everyone else has their own thoughts. Um, And again, right, I think the biggest thing really is, uh, look, unless you're some rich dude, you're not going to get all three of these things unless you're some rich dude, but we'll see. Also, just a quick thing, I I, I left this out iFixit has said that the uh, repairability score of the Mac Mini, the new one, is a 6 out of 10. Obviously, the 10 is being the easiest to repair, topping the latest MacBook Air, the current MacBook, the current MacBook Pros, the iMacs, the iMac Pro. Um, The only thing it's trailing is the 2013 trash can Mac Pro, which we don't like to talk about that much. All right, let's take a break. And we know, right, a word from our sponsor, you've gotten a new device, an iPhone 10 series phone, an Amazon Kindle, Google Pixel, Samsung Galaxy phone. What do you do next? Well, how about loading it up with some awesome eBooks from Open Road Media and their site, earlybirdbooks.com. Now, the Apple Bits has partnered with Open Road's Early Bird Books for the next two weeks to bring you the faithful Apple Bits Nation and ebook that I personally chose from their catalog. Now, this week's selection is Neil Gaiman's Don't Panic, Douglas Adams, and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And this is a really cool, fun companion guide to the famous sci-fi novel with that same name. And it really is kind of like a treat for fans. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, if you know that in sci-fi lore and its author, the book contains supporting material from Douglas Adams himself, as well as his own words as compiled from Gaiman's interviews with him and this tireless search of all the media around it. So just go to this link, bit.ly slash don't panic book. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash don't panic book. And all you have to do is add the book to your shopping cart. Don't forget to use the promo code AppleBits with a Z and check out to receive 60% off your ebook order. And if you enjoy that and continue to check out Open Road Media's earlybirdbooks.com, go check out their newsletter for continuous deals on ebooks. Open Road Media and Apple Bits bringing you the best ebooks for your device. All right, let's get back to the show. And remember, be a part of this show. Call in at 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. We just got a couple more stories before we get to the calls. The other thing that was big this week, and we have to talk about this. How can you not? Samsung showed off their prototype smartphone with the foldable display. Remember, we've been hearing about this foldable 
smartphone for the longest time. Now, now Samsung didn't really show it to us. They put out like this video teaser, but then um, they dimmed down the lights. The gentleman on stage pulled it out of his pocket and the reason they dimmed down the lights is they said they didn't want to reveal kind of all the elements of this device itself, but it was, right, it had a, he pulled out a pocket. It looked really thick from what we can tell because it is a foldable phone right now, and it's still prototyping, but they said we'll be seeing something, uh, I believe they said like in the next or in the coming months, they didn't say in the next year, in the coming months, which would indicate that maybe we'll see it within six months or so. Anyways, um, you can check it out. There were all the specs that were kind of put out there from some of the different um, panels over there. The cover display is a 4.58 inch display. So remember, this is something that folds out. So let's say when it's all folded up together, there's an external screen, 4.58 inches, resolution 840 by 1960, a 420 pixel per inch density. Okay, but then when you open it up, because it's flexible, the inside display is 7.3 inches. It's still a 420 pixel per inch density with a resolution of 1536 by 2152. Now, no matter how kind of cool the idea of a flexible phone is that fits in your pocket, again, it looked thick. I mean, it wasn't like I was watching this and I said, oh my God, I gotta have this. Is it cool from a technological standpoint? Absolutely. You know, I why why wouldn't you think that was cool? They're talking about the actual like technology itself. Samsung, they said that it's called their Infinity Flex technology. They had to invent new materials and reimagine the display. It's an advanced composite polymer that's flexible and tough to replace the glass that's usually used to as a display cover in smartphones. I would like a bracelet phone like for my watch that just like slaps on my wrist super clean. Like like a bangle. I mean, guys don't wear bangles, but I think that'd be cool. Anyways, it is just the first step in an evolution of how we see devices moving forward. Again, nothing told me that I really want this. And also, I'm not a I'm not a fan of Samsung's OS, quite honestly, until they make it as clean and stripped down as possible. Until then, no matter what, it it's still a turnoff. And yeah, we're all about the ecosystem, 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 but make a cleaner OS. I think they'd really convince people do you guys and gals like what do you think about this flexible stuff is this cool do you feel like a lot of people sometimes say oh apple's behind and in innovating you know in certain ways they are but they're still a one trillion dollar company which you can't ignore so i don't know i know i'm not all for this but maybe you guys are maybe it's i think always you can lean and look at what other companies are doing to help advance technology moving forward so at the end of the day if you love tech which i do and which you do i think it's really cool doesn't mean I'm going to buy it, but I think it's really cool. If we want to talk about what Apple's also cooking down the road, Apple's upcoming over-the-ear headphones, we've heard reports of them working on their kind of their own version of over-the-ear headphones to compete with Beats, Bose, Sony, and others. New report says they may be using HomePod-style beamforming and also be reversible. And why do we know this? Well, it's based off of a new patent application that suggests they're using some of that similar technology in these over-the-ear headphones. So first of all, one reason why this is cool, they're talking about making them reversible. So I don't know how many times you have done this, but you pick up your headphones, 
and you're like looking at them, you're like, which side's which? Where's the L? Where's the R? Where do I put it? So they're saying that with this beam forming, basically to ensure that we have you know them on the right way or the right the right side or the left side, the headphones could automatically detect their orientation and adjust their output to match. That's kind of cool. All right. There's five microphones in the ear cups for other than ear detection. They use these microphones to kind of triangulate where everything is and then on a, on a fly switch to the left ear writer. That that's cool. Now it has to use these mics. So I don't know if you have to speak, but it basically says as soon as you speak, the headphones will tell, right? Which microphone is nearest to your mouth on each ear cup and figure that out. But do I always talk right before I listen to music? I guess maybe I have to get used to like, oh yeah, uh, I can't wait to listen to this jam. Like, oh, I love this song. Maybe. Secondly, this array of microphones could be used to separate speech from the background noise, wind, or traffic. So this is kind of a way to optimize the sound as well. Specifically, you could think of it using it for... um phone calls and filtering out background sound while you're on a call wearing these. Very cool. Uh, Back in February is when we first heard this from KGI that Apple was working on some sort of high-end over-the-ear headphones. Bloomberg supported that also back in July. So they're coming. Look, I think based on how Apple, even though the features may not be the best, the actual audio quality of the HomePod is pretty dang ridiculous. So these are promising. If they can make putting on your headphones not only easier, but have that killer sound. And I like a balanced sound. Again, I'm still on Team Bose. I'm going to check out Sony's new uh, new headphones, the third the third series of their uh, the XM3 headphones. Those are supposed to be stellar. But can Apple like nudge themselves in that conversation? I think there's Apple users that are just going to buy them on the fly, but it remains to be seen. I do think, though, this patent kind of reveals a lot of cool stuff that's coming down the pipeline all right let's get your calls again 833-888-ABXL 833-888-2295 leave your name where you're from and get to it keep it under two minutes we'll most likely run it in the show and you know ask great questions bring new thoughts to the table we just love to hear from you and to contribute and be a part of the show all right let's hear from Chris he wants to talk about some of that iPhone Yo, Brian, this is Chris from Ohio. Uh, just wanted to make an uh, observational comment real quick. I went to that local Apple store here, and I noticed that the iPhone XR, like people were surrounding that table. Like it was it was no joke. It was just people surrounding it. And then the iPhone XS and the XS Max, there was just like two people looking at it. So it was kind of an interesting thing to see. Like everyone is gravitating towards a cheaper model. Have you ever have you have you seen that before, like in any of your local Apple stores or anything like that? All right, man. Talk to you later and go Cavs. Oh man, you had me until go Cavs, Chris. Chris, why did you have to do that? I thought we were friends. Uh, you know what? I haven't. I mean, I've been in the Apple store a few times. I haven't seen herds of people around the 10R, but there's definitely more. There's definitely a genuine interest in the 10R. And I will tell you right now, after using the 10R and using the 10S and using the 10S Max, yeah, the 10R's a little heavier, slightly bigger, but it feels just as good. And I'm sorry, I'm I'm such a sucker. I do love the colors on it. Now, 
to be honest with you guys and gals, I haven't actually upgraded my phone yet. Like I've played with all three of them extensively. I don't, I'm, I'm still honestly leaning towards just keeping my iPhone 10 because even though the camera's slightly better on the 10s and 10s max, uh, it's not enough. And the phone isn't, doesn't give me anything much more. So I'm really thinking of either keeping my 10 or believe it or not, getting a yellow 10R. That's just where I'm at right now. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I literally haven't pulled the trigger yet. I know, crazy, huh? You should get the newest phone every year. I only get the newest phone every year when it's worthwhile. I don't think the 10S from the 10 is really worthwhile for me. Now, I, I think a little more sensibly. I know most of the tech bloggers, they just get the newest thing. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get the newest thing. That's fine, but how much are you really getting out of that thing? Not much. 10 to 10S, you're not really getting that much. That's all. That's where I stand. All right, we also had, I asked you guys and gals not only to call, but we put in the show notes, people can write into the Apple Bits show at gmail.com. That's how you can directly write us or even send us your voicemails if you can't call because I know this is kind of like a US number. So we wanted to show love for people that are also emailing in. This one comes in from Kevin Degante. He writes in that he's been a big fan of our show, loves the reviews. He's He says, you've been asking for what the R could stand for. And I think I solved it. If you watch the iPhone XR commercial, think of the Power Rangers. Y'all got the main colors right there. The R is for new iPhone X Rangers. I hope it gave you as much of a laugh as it gave me. Thanks for your time. I kind of like that, but where's the Green Ranger, son? Where's the green? But they, they do. They got red, black, white, yellow, blue, I don't, I mean, Coral's not really pink. I guess you could kind of, I mean, depending on the lighting, but okay, I'm feeling you a little bit on that. That's kind of fun. All right, we also have a call from Najum. He called in with a audio file sent to applebitsshow at gmail.com. Y'all can do the same thing. Let's hear what Najum got to say. What's up, Ryan? My name is Najum Shabir. I'm calling from Miami. I listen to everything you put out the moment it comes out, so keep bringing it and I'll keep listening. But basically, I wanted to talk about how you were talking about that the average price for a lot of Apple products is just getting higher and higher. How the Mac Mini used to cost, I, I don't remember exactly, but like something like 400 500 And now it's at 699 or 799 And how the best iPhone several years ago, it used to be 650 when the iPhone 5 and 5S and 4 came out. And now the best iPhone is $1,000 starting price. So the average price is just going up. And it's going past inflation, far past inflation. And I noticed a few years ago that Apple was starting to kind of transition from a pretty good high-end consumer electronics company to a ultra high-end luxury consumer electronics company. And one thing that signifies that to me even more is that they're supporting uh, a lot of older phones for a lot longer now with not only software updates but they announced this thing where they're even repairing very old phones like the 4s and the 5 in store even to this day so that just tells me that apple is happier with people buying their products less often but making sure that when they do buy their products they pull out a fat wallet for it you know um and i'm not okay with that personally 
I enjoyed, you know, spending six fifty. Now six fifty was a lot back in the day with the iPhone four and five S and whatnot. But I would, I was happy to spend that for the newest phone every year. But I can't justify a thousand every year for the new best phone every, you know. So um, I'm not okay with what Apple's doing. But at the same time, if they're making more money, obviously they're gonna stick to it. And uh, and I can't complain too much. They do make great products, and you know it's a first world problem, you know. So I'm not gonna complain too much. But that's all I have to say. Um, thanks for doing what you do, man. Keep it up. All right, thanks, Nation. Appreciate that call. Yeah, I I think the you make a great point. A thousand bucks every year to keep up with the game. Is that really is that really where we're at now? Ugh. Also wrote in Joshua Carp. He says he loves the show. Of course he does. Thank you so much for being a Patreon supporter as well, Joshua. He wanted to bring in a few bullet points. He said, I'm assuming iPhones next year will go to USB-C. I'm assuming all lightning is migrating to USB-C. I'm assuming the same thing, Joshua. He also ordered the iPad Pro 12.9 inch, 512 gigs, but he says, I'm confused as to why it does not support HDR. Why would they do that? Honestly. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. And they'll never answer that, but it's it is curious. It's not like the screen they're using is drastically different. They haven't they haven't revealed that, but Liquid Retina not HDR compatible? Mm, I don't know about that. On the iPad Pro? Mm, I don't know about that. All right, finally last call from a man Peter Hey, Brian, what's up? It's Peter Aponte from Brooklyn, New York. I just want your take on um, this growing trend of uh, Apple refreshes, redesigns, and and price hikes to go along with them. At this point, following the pattern, is it uh, wrong to say or wrong to expect a redesigned iMac next year that follows the trend of reducing the borders and what apple calls edge-to-edge design uh thanks man love the show uh keep going strong man you got this later man thank you peter you know sometimes those encouraging words just help out you know as i'm doing this hustle and i thank you all for your support listening um people on patreon that are helping support me and continue to do this but thanks for those kind words pete peter uh, really appreciate it to get your question, I honestly don't the reason why, yeah, of course you would logically say they're gonna get make the border the bezels smaller on the iMac. And I think they will, but at the same time, no one's really complaining that the iMac needs a new refresh design, right? They just released the iMac Pros and just put beefy specs in them. The iMac, if it was gonna get a refresh, we were probably just expecting a hardware bump. You know, it has a 5K screen. Are they going to really go through all the effort just to reduce the bezels a little bit? And we know that Macs are not their number one sellers, right? They could just get away with continuing to just increase the hardware inside. Although, yeah, that is the trend of how they're moving and it makes sense. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Um, And I'm not saying they won't. I just wouldn't be surprised if they were still okay with what's going on right now. But yeah, logically we should probably see a new design. But again, they may not. All right, I just want to say thank you again to everyone who listens to the show. Remember, patreon.com is how you can also support the show. It also is how you get an ad-free 
version of the show. You can sponsor this show and all, really all of the content I do, the audio podcast, the video stuff I do, the, you guys are allowing me to kind of stay in this game. So it's $1 starting. You can go to $5 a month, which is like a cup of coffee. If that's a value to you, we have 10 25 $100 levels. And I also wanted to thank all of my platinum apples at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Terrence McKelvey from Stratos Wealth Partners, Gil Cabrera, Andy Halverson, Wesley Frader, Craig Hindall, and Jarrett Lewis. Thank you so much, and thank you to all of you who are supporting. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can show that support. And again, thank you so much. All right, that's going to do it for this week. We will have more of all the greatest of the week, the good and bad on the Apple Bits XL. All right, take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.